experts they are truly experts this is what they do i'm gonna i'm speaking to those of you maybe that have been thinking about having that complete total upgrade upgrade isn't even do justice to what can be done with your garage in terms of customized storage but the epoxy flooring as well you see it and you're just like man that looks nice but looking nice is i don't want to say the least of the benefits but some of the benefits yeah you know, it's a moisture barrier for one. And those concrete floors that are in most garages, the majority of garages are actually very porous. You kind of think they're not because your driveway, it's bumpy and rough. And then that garage is very smooth. So it, it creates the illusion that, it, that that it's not porous. But in fact, it is very porous. The, being a moisture barrier with the epoxy flooring is is such a benefit in a number of ways. So if this is something you've thought about doing, and maybe you thought, well, maybe I'll do it myself. It's cheaper that way. It is cheaper that way, short term. Long term, however, you're going to end up either having to do it again and again and again or having a professional come do it or it chips away and it looks horrible. In fact, one of the things that I I know uh, Mark um, and Shelly have told me is that they oftentimes end up getting hired by people who try to do it themselves. And that's a waste of money. You don't want to do that. The trying-it-yourself part. And there are a number of companies that offer it as many one of their many services. Garage experts, this is what they do every single day. And they're great people. They do a fantastic job. Cannot recommend them enough. Garage Experts, KSGF.com. You can find them there under Nick's endorsements. We've got Author of the Week, sponsored by ABC Books, coming up in moments. First, the latest news update. Good morning, everyone. I'm Angela Luna. The 19-year-old charged with the murder of Chavez Wynn will not be getting out on bond. Elijah Bedell is at the Greene County Jail, accused of killing Wynn and injuring his pregnant girlfriend in a drive-by shooting in downtown Springfield earlier this month. Several members of Wynn's family showed up to the hearing Tuesday. His girlfriend spoke in front of the judge, stating Bedell is a danger to the community and that she and Wynn had never met Bedell before the shooting. Two other teen suspects are charged in juvenile court for Wynn's murder. Bedell will be back in court next week. The man who helped Dennis Cleveland, the owner of Affordable Towing, tamper with the emission systems on tow trucks, was sentenced in federal court to the exhaust systems and monitoring devices. Cleveland took his trucks to Robert Dykes' business for alterations to the exhaust systems and monitoring devices. Dykes will be sentenced to two years of probation and fined $500 for his role. From Color 10 Studios, I'm Angela Luna. First alert forecast, sponsored by St. Clair of the Ozarks Home Improvements from Color 10. Fox 49, meteorologist Tom Schmidt, showers and storms this afternoon, a high of 52, more tonight down to 48. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a slight chance of rain in the morning, high of 52. Springfield's Talk 104.1, I'm Nick Reed, and it's time for Author of the Week, sponsored by ABC Books on North Glenstone. We have this morning Scott McKay. The book is Racism, Revenge, and Ruin. It is all Obama. He's publisher of The Hayride, which is a cultural and political site covering the 
southern area of the country, national current events, and his work can be found. I know many of you are familiar with American Spectator, where he's been a regular columnist since 2012, and he's also the author of the Revivalist Manifesto. I appreciate you being with us this morning. I want to ask you, because I'm sure you've been very familiar with this, so many people trying to figure out who's running the administration. Uh, There's all sorts of speculation. There are unknowns. At one point, laughably, in retrospect, people were claiming Kamala was actually going to be doing that. Um, But Obama is a name that always pops up. And, And my question is, is this idea of this being, as you referred to it, as Obama's third term, does that mean that we are experiencing the residual effects of his first two terms, or is it more hands-on, he's actually behind the scenes, on the phone, talking with people and directing things, or is, is it a combination of the two? Well, I would say it's probably a combination Um If you believe, as I think most Americans believe, that Joe Biden is not actually the power in the White House today, um, (laughs) and you got a pretty good indication of that opinion being more than an opinion uh, about a year or so ago when Obama showed up at the White House and was treated as a conquering hero. Um, I mean, the video is hilarious. I mean, Joe Biden's walking around, can't even get anybody to talk to him. Um, and it was pretty clear who the boss was at that point. And, you know, you can take a, the roster of the Biden White House and it's more so than really ever before. It is it's you know, it's the Obama Alumni Society um, that you know are in charge, whether it's the you know, Susan Rice's of the world or the Samantha Powers or the Jake Sullivan's. Uh, I mean, you know, it's all the same people. And then, of course, about a week ago, you had David Axelrod, who basically speaks for Obama in all things, um, kind of pop off and say, you know, Biden shouldn't run in 24 um, when there's no other candidate. Right. And and it's you're, you're a little late in the game to start an actual primary process. Uh, and then, you know, everybody is in the Democrat uh, on the Democrat side has essentially conceded that Biden is going to be their nominee. And then all of a sudden Axelrod pops off and says this. It's an indication that, you know, the power behind the throne is, uh, you know, certainly I think it's Obama, but is still active. Um, And so the book talks about uh, going issue by issue, policy by policy, What's going on in the Biden administration now, most all of which is stuff that is not even in the political mainstream for them to do, like, for example, DEI in the military. Mm -hmm. Those are all things that are really have metastasized from events that happened when Obama was president. So it is certainly the, the Obama machine took over the Democrat Party. That happened all the way back in late 2007, 2008. But that control is still, I think, complete at this point. Um, and, you know, they're imposing their will on the American people. And you I mean, you can see it in almost everything these guys do. There is a continuum between Team Obama and Team Biden such that and when you look at Joe Biden and, and his cognitive state at this point, you know, it's obvious mm-hmm. there's somebody who's the power behind the throne. And I would just, you know, kind of close this answer by saying Obama is the first American ex-president to choose to live in Washington, D.C. 
that has never happened before. Um, so, you know, yeah, I, like I think he's very much, uh, very much the active ingredient uh, within the ruling elite of this country right now. Was this deliberate? Was the choice of Biden one with the plan that we know he's really not going to be in charge? This will be Obama's to continue. Or was it just uh, he organically ended up with South Carolina getting into the presidency, getting the nomination? And then over time, the vacuum that was created of leadership in the White House, in the Democrat Party, uh, lent itself to an opening for Obama and Obama crew to come in and start calling the shots? Well, I, I, I would give you some circumstantial evidence to, to answer that. You know, first of all, I think it was early 2017, Barack Obama goes on the Stephen Colbert show. Um, and he gives this really flip answer to this question that Colbert posed that was clearly a planted question. But Colbert, you know, kind of put it up as a joke. Well, you know, would would you like to be the power behind the throne? And Obama kind of, you know, said this, well, you know, maybe if you gave somebody an earpiece and I'm sitting in my basement in a T-shirt and shorts and I could tell them what to say. Right. And it was all kind of laughed off as a joke. Um, and then you saw, you know, the Trump Russia hoax, which was a, you know, sort mm. of a deep state operation. And then that sort of metastasized into 51 intelligence community spooks uh, coming out publicly and saying that the Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian disinformation. Right. And I mean, you know, Jake Sullivan was the guy who put that together. He ends up the national security advisor. Yeah. And Sullivan was a certainly an, a, a sort of a re, a Obama retread. Um, so I, you know, there's there are, are pretty obvious things, and then the, simply the nature of the Democrat primaries in 2020, right? So you had Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, and you rem if you remember, Kamala was the Obama machine's initial choice to take over like that. She was who they were pushing. They had raised, they Obama went out and raised her money to, to stake that campaign. And of course she crashed and burned because the people didn't want anything to do with her. And Biden early was getting, you know, third, fourth place in the Democrat primaries. And then all of a sudden it gets put together and he's the nominee and everybody else starts dropping out. And then he picks Kamala Harris as the number two. And so like, you know, what do you take from that? Well, those were the two people most likely to be Obama puppets um, in the White House. And they ended up the presidential nominee and the vice presidential nominee, despite between them barely getting more than 20 percent of the Democrat vote. And, I, you know, I, I would say circumstantially, that's pretty strong evidence right. that something was put in place to make this happen. And then, of course, when Obama shows up at the White House, it's like, OK. <laughs> right. right. Like, here's the boss. Um, so, you know, these guys are not going to leave a lot of smoking guns around that Obama is the uh, the power behind the throne. But it's pretty clear uh, that uh, that he's got more influence as an ex-president than anybody else in American history. We're talking with Scott McKay, our author of the week, sponsored by ABC Books on North Glenstone. The book is Racism, Revenge and Ruin. It's all Obama. There's quite a contradiction in what we're told Obama 
is and was as president and even as a candidate versus the reality of what we got or the results. Um, he was presented oh, yeah. as this individual's, oh, it's going to be this wonderful unifier and bringing everyone together and and reach across party lines. Yet, if you look at that period of time, I, I think we saw the beginning of this massive acceleration of a, a lack of civility, of conflict, of uh, these these divisions that just got deeper and wider. And while as a you know a country with people who have the right to speak their minds and vote and support the people that they want in there, you're always going to have those divisions. But it just seemed to get very mean and very nasty. How did that occur under a president that was presented as being the great peacemaker and healer of wounds? Yeah, I, what I would say is, is, you know, we've been subjected to the greatest bait and switch yeah. in the history of American politics with this guy, um, because you're exactly right. The value proposition of Barack Obama as, you know, the presidential candidate in 2008 was that we were finally going to put all this race stuff behind us. Um, and if you'll remember, back in, say, 2007, we were at the zenith of race relations in, in this country. I mean, people were actively looking for ways to bring the races together. Uh, and he just totally took advantage of that. And, I mean, no no sooner did this guy get elected than you had the new Black Panther case. And then you had the, you know, the Skip Gates controversy that led to the Beer Summit. And then you had... You know, Trayvon Martin, Eric Garner, Alton Sterling, you know, the whole bit. And every time Obama could, he was stoking those racial fires. Remember when he said, you know, if I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon. Right. right. And I mean, you know, before Obama and Eric Holder got involved in that case, it was a nothing. Everybody in Sanford, Florida, looked at this case and said, well, you know, it's unfortunate but the kid was beating this guy to death on a, on the pavement. I mean, it's, it's foreseeable if you do that to somebody and he has a gun, he might use it. Like nobody thought it was an issue until they, you know, they cranked up the, the, the race hustling engine and turned this thing into a massive uh, deal. And of course, that's how Black Lives Matter got started. And that was one of the most successful grifts in the history of, of America. Um, and, you know, they, they I mean, they turned corporate America woke in the process uh, that Obama began. Uh, and then, you know, with the George Floyd riots, I mean, you saw something that was, you know, hadn't been seen since 1968. Um, and this was all stuff that Obama and his machine were hard at work stoking. And if you'll remember, Kamala Harris goes on, I guess it was Colbert talking about the George Floyd riots and said, you know, they're not going to stop and they shouldn't stop. And, you know, her campaign was paying bail for George Floyd rioters, one of whom ended up killing somebody. Um, you know, it, it, it's I think it's it's of a piece. All of it is the same. Um, and, you know, this is the the active ingredient in the Democratic Party. And, you know, it's it's you know, it's continued division along racial lines. It's the war on cops. It's the the war on faith. Um, and, uh, you know, things that most Americans would not vote for, um, you know, are being imposed on us by a, a group of people led by Obama 
who are really not even interested in persuading you. Right. They're interested in getting your compliance, which we see over and over again. Well, and to that same point, the persuasion, uh, many of us have noticed that the days of Democrats, at least, uh, campaigning on their successes, even if they had to twist them or claim credit for someone else's successes, they they provided evidence. Hey, here is what we have done. This is why you should elect us again. And now it's all just about how awful the other half of America is. And if you do not um you know hand us an election victory then all these awful horrible things are going to happen and it's just it is the pitting of Americans against other Americans and that's what their entire campaign platform is on and so given that they have managed to 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 craft their support base as one that simply hates other Americans who disagree with them how do we get off that track? What What is it that can be done in order to counter this damage? Well, it's, you know, you need a Republican Party that is calibrated to fight the Obama machine. Um, and there are you're beginning to get that, uh, particularly at sort of the lower level. I mean, you guys in in uh, in Missouri, uh, you know, with Josh Hawley and Eric Schmidt have I mean, you all have elected a couple of senators who understand this, get it, and act accordingly. Um, you know, but the older line GOP is still sort of calibrated to run elections against Jimmy Carter and yeah. Michael Dukakis. Um, and so that's that's one thing. But, you know, the, the, and the big thing, I, as you were discussing how uh, the, the typical Democrat campaign runs these days, what you'll notice is that it's a very emotional appeal, um, and it is calibrated to uh, to reach primarily unmarried women. So in the 2022 elections, there were four numbers just totally stood out, which is married men were R plus 20. Uh, married women were R plus 14. Unmarried men were R plus seven and unmarried women are D plus 37. Uh, and so their messaging is really calibrated to to monopolize the unmarried female vote. And if you go back to 2012, uh, the Obama reelection campaign, the most prominent piece of messaging that everybody remembers from Mm -hmm. that was the life of Julia. Right. And this was sort of this series of infographics about all of the government handouts and government programs that Julia, who never once had a man in her life, uh, that the, that this this narrative uh, identified, even though she had kids, she never she never had a husband or any of that kind of stuff. And this was all about how you know what what the government can do for single women, um, and that has that has metastasized because it is you know the Democrats are solely focused on abortion now and all of these other issues that are all about you know whether it's single moms or even childless women. Um, you know, what the Democrat Party and what the government can do for them. And then, of course, you see this messaging in the culture. I mean, mm-hmm. ad nauseum. It's like, you know, we're, we as Americans are now, you know, hell bent on destroying every marriage that we can through the culture. Um, and I don't think any of this is an accident. I think this is something that 
that they have done a very, very good job of trying to isolate what they think is, whether it's a small majority or, or, you know, a big majority, isolate a majority of people who have grievances against America as founded. Um, and then kind of radicalize them and so energize them that they can just win turnout elections. Right. Um, and, you know, they're not trying to, to persuade the center. They're trying to outvote the center. Um, and, you, you know, you see this in all of the cities, particularly the Democrats control. Um, and you're starting to see it in some of these, you know, kind of college educated suburbs and university towns and so forth. Uh, where this it's the same politics and it's all bent on, you know, grievance against traditional America. Well, without question, certainly insightful. The book, again, Racism, Revenge and Ruin. It's all about Obama, our author of the week, Scott McKay. Uh, again, thank you so much for being with us. Our author of the week, sponsored by ABC Books on North Glenstone. I'm Nick Reed, Springfield's Talk 1041. Our best happy hour of the year will be tomorrow at Retro Metro. In fact, it is open only for our happy hour. It's a closed day to the public. Now, we're going to kick things off at Scramblers tomorrow. Free breakfast for veterans. If you're a veteran, you come by an air service, eating, cooling, plumbing, electrical, serenity honors, and Delta roofing along with Scramblers. All doing free breakfast for veterans. And from there... We're going to kick off the day where we make our way across the area and try to come up with some great Christmas gift ideas for you. With the help of local businesses, we are going to do all of this thanks again to Foreman Mechanical Heating and Cooling sponsoring the event, Corwin Ford, Springfield and Republic, providing transportation. A number of the area businesses that we're going to be heading over to and then during each stop, we'll, we'll break in and utilize a commercial break to talk with you and or talk to you with uh, some of the business owners, folks who work at the businesses, about what they have this Christmas, one item in particular that may be of interest to you. We're going to make stops at Quick Draw Gun and Monette, Ming Auto Beauty Center, Hy-V, Aviary Cafe, uh, Just For Him, Wonders of Wildlife. I think that I've hit them all. I'm going off the top of my head here. And um, and and then we'll do Facebook Lives as well from each of those locations. So if there's visuals and we have less time constraints with that as well, uh, being in network programming, we have a limited amount of time or I should say a specific amount of time in terms of a window for audio over the air. And with the Facebook Live, we, we aren't limited in that capacity so much, plus the visual component to it. So we try to hit you from both angles there. And that is going to be going on throughout the day. And then we'll complete things up with you at Retro Metro, our Christmas party with you. We're going to just hang out, have a good time, and do a giveaway uh, every one of those locations that's providing uh, an idea, a gift idea, is also going to give you an opportunity to win one of those. So we're going to have them all together, get there, put your name on a piece of paper, put it in the entry box, and at 6 we'll draw on whoever's name is drawn is going to get each and every one of the items that we do highlight tomorrow at those area locations. So the info, should you need any of it, I don't know what much more you need, but should you need it, is at ksgf.com. The first 
alert forecast from Color 10. Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Showers and storms expected this afternoon. Today's high 52. Showers and storms tonight 48 and mostly cloudy tomorrow. A slight chance we still may see some rain lingering about, at least in the morning, and an eventual High of 52. Sarah Myers. Thank you. Well, yesterday I took a trip down to Quick Draw Gun in Modette to do some Christmas shopping. And while I was there, Brad, he helped me pick out some great stocking stuffers and some of the things he suggested I had never even thought about. Uh, And I did take a video of the items that he suggested. I'll make sure to put that up soon. But while I was there, I was able to watch how Brad and his team interacted with a couple of customers uh, and how they answered their questions. And they make sure that you don't get lost in the shuffle like you can at larger shops or even uh, bigger box stores. They take the time to get to know you, uh, what you're wanting out of your firearms, and what's going to work best for you. And I love to recommend Quick Draw Gun simply on the fact that they are some of the friendliest and some of the most knowledgeable people that I have met. So if that is the type of gun shop that you are looking for, then you have found it with Quick Draw Gun. Now, if you have any questions for Brad or you're needing their shop hours, or their location. You can find all of that under the Sarah's Endorsements tab at ksgf.com. Earlier in the program, we played audio of Kamala Harris in a response to a question regarding Joe Biden's age. And she, you know, she went on to just talk about how he's sharpest man in the world, runs rings around world leaders. And blamed the focus on his potential dementia, dementia-like behavior for sure, on Republicans having absolutely nothing else to focus on because of uh, they're trying to, quote, distract from all of the successes of the Biden administration. One of the areas in which they insist on telling Americans that things are good is the economy. Your personal economic situation. It is to such a point of absurdity. There are numerous Democrats, elected Democrats, that are growing quite aggravated, concerned, annoyed, frustrated that they continue to try to tell people who are doing poorly economically that they're actually doing well and expecting somehow. People to just, I I guess, believe it. I I don't know. There's a new, the economic situation, it's somewhat of an interesting one because there there are different fronts. Of course, you're going to like, well, the unemployment rate's real low. Well, okay. You don't even really need to explain it if people actually feel it, but. It does at the same time, when you're able to put a dollar amount on it, gives people a better reference point in terms of how bad it is, right? So you know it hurts, but sometimes when things hurt, so it it builds up, it builds up, and, and you don't necessarily recognize the severity of it until you get actual numbers attached to the pain. A new report has found that Americans need an extra $11,400 
a year just to afford the basics. Need that that much more. Almost wow. twelve. Yeah, I believe it. And I and I know I I I don't doubt that people do believe it. Um, but I think for a lot of people, when you hear that number, it's just like when you really begin to recognize that the average American, that's how much money you have lost. Now, not the actual dollar amount, but the buying power, like what you can do with it. It is the equivalent of. So it would be as if you go back to when Trump was president, had somebody take from you eleven thousand four hundred dollars. And that that's that's what we're dealing with today. Even while they run around, they're like, well, people have gotten three uh, percent raises. Well, if the dollar, however, is not as powerful, if it, it can, if it buys less things and that let's be honest, that's the point of money, right? The, 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 the point of money is what can it buy? So it doesn't matter what the number is on it other than in the context of how does that translate to goods and services? If I have a hundred dollars, let's say ten dollars, and a loaf of bread is five dollars, but then a month later I have not ten dollars but twelve, but a loaf of bread becomes thirteen dollars. Well, yeah, you can run around and say, look, I have more money than I did last month. But the fact that it costs more to buy things means that that money has less value to it, which defeats, it doesn't defeat the purpose, but it negates the the, the additional dollar amount. I, I, you all understand this. But apparently there either are some Americans that don't or the Democrat Party insist on people not understanding this. $11,400. Now, this is also another reason. It is so, it is angering at times when you have these people who are responsible for this run around and will trash on corporations for not paying people enough, that will campaign on raising the minimum wage, that portray themselves as the champion of the working person, that on a non politician level, I don't want to say non-political, but non-politician level, you will see these unions and, and some of these people go on strike demanding more money, but then will campaign for the very policies that result in the loss of buying power that will more than negate what they're fighting for on the strike line. I mean, you see the teachers unions, for example, and I'm not talking necessarily about the Members, but the people who will run the unions that in, these strikes are going on, you know, have one going on over here, over there. And uh, this is teacher pay, teacher pay, teacher pay. They don't make enough. Then they turn around, take dues from those teachers to get people like Joe Biden elected president to put in policies that more than wipe away any sort of raise that they get anyway. I mean, you want to talk about a racket that if done in the private sector would land you in prison? Eleven thousand four hundred and thirty-four bucks to maintain the same standard of living 
that the average American had back in 2021. The analysis found it might be worse on a state-by-state basis. For example, in Colorado, which is increasingly supporting politicians that put these policies in place, the average American household has to spend an extra extra $15,000 per year to afford the same standard of living that they had in 2021. The CBS reported that the number reflects the increased cost of basic goods. Basic goods, the things that you need to live. But we're told that the Democrats are the party for the working class, that the Democrats are the party of the blue-collar worker, that the Democrats are the party of the lower-class people helping lift them up. You know, we're going to build things from the ground up. Incidentally, Do you notice in terms of economic class, which portion of the population is most vocally and supportive of the left that do not get impacted by these policies? It's the uber rich. The Hollywood elites, the Jeff Bezos, the Bill Gates. These insanely wealthy individuals that run around telling us that we need more Democrats. Isn't it convenient that the one segment of the population economically that is not negatively impacted in terms of actual quality of life by the Democrat policies of the uber, uber rich? Is it any wonder that you you look at Hollywood, you look at these rich, the richest of the rich, Who is it they're always holding fundraisers for? I I don't know. I really genuinely do not know how it is that Democrat voters can like rectify that or that or that that reality. Like how how is it that you you tell yourself you know as you get out there campaign locally, Crystal Quaid and all yeah the working person, but but. You, you, I mean, who is it that the richest people are always holding the fundraisers for? Who is it that these elites that get in their private jets and fly all over the world, that they, 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 they do, uh, you know, these, these $100,000 a plate dinners, who, who is it that these events are held for? certainly isn't the Ted Cruz's of the world or the Ron DeSantis's of the world. Definitely not Donald Trump. You know, he doesn't even need it anyway. It's the Joe Bidens. It's the Nancy Pelosi's. It's the Chuck Schumer's. What does that tell you? (laughs) What does it tell you in these policies that they put into place Take away over a two from, uh, I guess a three year period from no a two year period from twenty twenty one since the duration of the Biden administration. Almost twelve grand on average, just to live the same standard that you were two years ago. Other than I guess just self delusion, I you know well it's not their fault, it's not their fault, it's not it's never their fault. Which again I default back to then why did you put them in power? Why did you vote for them? If things were going to get worse, then there's nothing that they could do about it. Springfield's Talk 104.1. I'm Nick Reed. 
Hi, I'm Bill Dutton from Abacus CPAs, the proactive CPAs. Having reached 25 years in business, I want to take a moment to thank so many of you who have helped us reach this milestone. First, to our long-term clients. You put your trust in us when we were just starting out, and so many of you have allowed us to serve you for over two decades. I would like to express my gratitude to you for your loyalty and continued partnership. Next, to our newer clients. I know you have a lot of choices for a CPA. We are honored that you have selected Abacus CPAs to work with you. And to our exceptional employees, all that Abacus CPAs has done and all that it will do in the future would not be possible without your talent, hard work, and dedication to excellence. Above all, we give thanks to God and glorify Him in everything we do. I'm Bill Dunton from Abacus CPAs, and I'm very grateful for 25 years of providing better guidance, smarter decisions. Your time is as valuable as your car. For tires, balancing, rotation, new tires, and more, MTS Express comes to you. No more waiting at a tire shop. Top quality equipment on the go. It's the new and easiest way of doing tires in the Springfield area. Start now at MTS, the letter X, press.com. There's a reason you see Sandcrest stickers on the back of so many trailers. We have the largest selection of quality trailers at the area's best prices. Sandcrest Trailer Sales in Rogersville, Billings, and Sarcoxy. Make sure your next trailer has Sandcrest on the back. Visit SandcrestSales.com. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. played uh, some audio of Joe Biden earlier in which he referenced um, Donald Trump as a Congressman Trump. Just, again, flat-out confusion. He referred to Congresswoman Lauren Boebert as um, Bope. I, I don't know if that's a nickname he came up with or I don't. Uh, you just you don't know with this guy. And these were prepared remarks. <laughs> Which is what makes it even more brilliant. Or at least, they, I mean, it was in a prepared, it wasn't an off-the-cuff thing. He's speaking there at a podium. There was another quip that was not made for public consumption. And it was at a factory. And I don't know if this factory had some nuclear component to it. But there were, so Biden is walking through this factory area with, I think two employees. I saw the visual prior to the show this morning. I'm going to play the audio for you because while their cameras at quite a distance, they they do capture the audio. So that's why the audio is not overly clear. It's clear enough that you can hear what he's saying. And so in the visuals, what you see is Joe Biden is walking with these two these two factory workers, and then there's this third one that they approach, and Joe Biden. And I don't know if they sort of are introducing him or if he just wanders over to the guy. I forget, but that's not what's relevant. Now, there's not any conversation that's been going on. This is their first encounter. And he walks up to the guy. And he says the following out of the blue. This is Nick. Hey, Nick. This is uh, Nick. Oh, Reed. Well, look, my, my Marine carries out. It has a code to blow up the world. That doesn't. This is not nuclear weapons. Is it? All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now I'm going to tell you what he said, so that way you know a little better what you're listening for. It wasn't as clear as I remembered it from earlier this morning. He goes up to the guy just out of the blue, randomly, and he says to him, "Look, my Marine has a code to blow up the world." 
And then he, he kind of rambles on a little bit about some of the nuclear or whatever. And, you know, nobody's really saying anything because they're, you know, and it's like, what? I'll play it again now that you know what it is that he's he's talking about here. This is Nick. Hey, Nick. This is uh, Nick. Hello, Harley. Now, look, my, my Marine carries that and has a code to blow up the world. That's a, this is not nuclear weapons, is it? All right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he says, yeah, my Marine, uh, he's got a code to blow up the world. Uh, these aren't nuclear weapons, are they? Red State has a piece, and they reference the fact that there have been past presidents who have made jokes about nuclear war and blowing up the world. Ronald Reagan, he once he made a, it was a specific joke. I think he was testing a microphone, and he said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm announcing we're not launching nuclear war against, yeah, as a test into the microphone. And, you know, he laughed. Everybody laughed. And I remember John McCain making a joke about bombing Iran, which isn't, I don't think that's noted in Red State. It was when he was running for president. It was so hokey. I can't really repeat it word for word. And how the media just sort of went nuts over that stuff because they were Republicans. But to me, the thing about this isn't that he joked about blowing up the world. It's the fact that there was no context to it. It wasn't like he's testing a mic and joking around as you test the mic or John McCain was asked a question about how to deal with the nuclear or how to prevent Iran from becoming nuclear or something. And so while it was a joke that may have been a little hokey in that instance, there was context to it. Joe Biden just kind of walks up and he's introduced this guy. He's like, hey, by the way, I... You know, I have Marines that can blow up the world. Oh, okay. It's it's almost like you're new and or you got a new kid in school. It's third grade and the kid's running around. It's like, you know, my dad can bench press 500 pounds. I go, All right. I don't know if he's trying to impress the guy or what. It's just weird. And I think part of the problem, actually, in my approach, is you're trying to apply logic. You're trying to figure out something that is just a, an utter mess, a complete mess, which is his mind. And so there really is no figuring out. This is just part of what happens whenever somebody's mind is gone. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. played uh, some audio of Joe Biden earlier in which he referenced um, Donald Trump as a Congressman Trump. Just, you know, again, flat out confusion. He referred to Congresswoman Lauren Boebert as um, Bope. I, I don't know if that's a nickname he came up with or I don't. You, know, you just you don't know with this guy. And these were prepared remarks. <laughs> Which is what makes it even more brilliant. Or at least, they I mean, it was in a prepared, it wasn't an off-the-cuff thing. He's speaking there at a podium. There was another quip that was not made for public consumption. And it was at a factory. And I don't know if this factory had some nuclear component to it. But there were, Biden is walking through this factory area with, I think, two employees. I saw the visual prior to the show this morning. I'm going to play the audio for you because while their camera's at quite a distance, they they do capture the audio. So that's why the audio is not overly clear. It's clear enough that you can hear what he's saying. And so in the visuals, what you see is Joe Biden is walking with these two these two factory workers. 
And then there's this third one that they approach and Joe Biden. And I I don't know if they sort of are introducing him or if he just wanders over to the guy. I, I forget, but that's not what's relevant. Now, there's not any conversation that's been going on. This is their first encounter. And he walks up to the guy. And he says the following out of the blue. This is Nick. Hey, Nick. This is uh, Nick. Oh, Rory, well, look, my, my Marine carries that. It has a code to blow up the world. That's a, this is not nuclear weapons, is it? All right, okay. <laughs> All right, now I'm going to tell you what he said. So that way you know a little better what you're listening for. It, wasn't as clear as I remembered it from earlier this morning. He goes up to the guy, just out of the blue randomly. And he says to him, look, my Marine has a code to blow up the world. And then he, he kind of rambles on a little bit about some of the nuclear or whatever. And, you know, nobody's really saying anything because they're, you know, and it's like, What? I'll play it again now that you know what it is that he's he's talking about here. This is Nick. Hey, Nick. This is uh, Nick. Oh, Rory. Now look, my my Marine carries that. It has a code to blow up the world. That this is not nuclear weapons. Is it? All right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he says, yeah, my Marine. Uh, he's got a code to blow up the world. Uh, these aren't nuclear weapons, are they? Red State has a piece, and they reference the fact that there have been past presidents who have made jokes about nuclear war and blowing up the world. Ronald Reagan, he once he made a, it was a specific joke. I think he was testing a microphone, and he said, uh, "Ladies and gentlemen, I'm announcing we're not launching nuclear war against." Yeah, as a test into the microphone, and you know he laughed. Everybody laughed, and I remember John McCain making a joke about bombing Iran, which isn't. I don't think that's noted in. Red State. It was when he was running for president. It was so hokey. I can't really repeat it word for word. And how the media just sort of went nuts over that stuff because they were Republicans. But to me, the thing about this isn't that he joked about blowing up the world. It's the fact that there was no context to it. It wasn't like he's testing a mic and joking around as you test the mic or John McCain was asked a question about how to deal with the nuclear or how to prevent Iran from becoming nuclear or something. And so while it was a joke that may have been a little hokey in that instance, there was context to it. Joe Biden just kind of walks up and he's introduced this guy. Hey, by the way, you know, I have Marines that could blow up the world. Oh, okay. It's almost like. You're new and or you got a new kid in school. It's third grade and the kid's running around. It's like, you know, my dad can bench press 500 pounds. I got, All right. I don't know if he's trying to impress the guy or what. It's just weird. And I think part of the problem, actually, in my approach, is you're trying to apply logic. You're trying to figure out something that is just a, an utter mess, a complete mess, which is his mind. And so there really is no figuring out. This is just part of what happens whenever somebody's mind is gone. Springfield's Talk 104.1. I'm Nick Reed.
Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. Did you forget to add Stamps.com to your holiday wish list last year? Well, we all make mistakes. Stamps.com has been helping businesses like yours save time and money during the holiday rush for 25 years. Get exclusive rates up to 84% off USPS and UPS services you need right from an easy-to-use mobile app. The holidays are hard enough. Make things easy with Stamps.com. Use code TIMESAVER for a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code TIMESAVER. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Lawyer for Religious Leaders challenging Missouri abortion ban says that law imposes beliefs on everyone. Missouri lawmakers intended to, quote, impose their religious beliefs on everyone. In the state where they passed a restrictive abortion ban, lawyers for a group of religious leaders who support abortion rights said at a court hearing Thursday. Thirteen Christian, Jewish, and Unitarian Universalist leaders filed suit in January seeking a permanent injunction barring Missouri from enforcing its abortion law and a declaration that provisions violate the Missouri Constitution because this is, you know, imposing their religious beliefs. Now, a couple of things here. One, simply because people occupy a building and carry a banner of a name does not mean that's who they are. This is, it. it is evil. When you portray yourselves as speakers of good, speakers, you know, on behalf of church, on behalf of God, in an effort to promote something that clearly is in violation of anything and everything that God was about, that's evil. It's evil. These are evil people. Whether they know that they're evil or not, Perhaps they're just vessels for evil. Aside from that, however, the argument that there should not be a law banning the killing of unborn children because it's something that, I guess, Christians support or support the law. Because, because, you know, well, you know, killing that, thou shalt not kill, that's a religious belief, so that should not be illegal. Well, a lot of religions, Christianity included, also say that you shouldn't rape. I guess, should we make that legal? I mean, who are Christians to push their religious beliefs that you shouldn't rape somebody off on anyone else? One of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal. I guess we ought to get rid of those laws as well. Because after all, it's not right for some religious people to push off those Ten Commandments on everyone else. I mean, clearly the thou shalt not murder, they are at least to some degree opposed to Christians pushing their religious beliefs on others. That's a, you know, again, one of the big ones, thou shalt not kill. I mean, think of the sickness and the evil of that presentation from people masquerading as voices of God. 
that because God has said, thou shall not kill. Abiding by that is pushing religion off on people, so killing should not be illegal. That's their argument. We'll see you tomorrow for Heroes Breakfast at Scramblers. I'm Nick Reed.